following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. Well, can we take a moment and welcome all of our campuses, our university's campus, our Clarksburg campus, our Frederick campus. Come on, give them a big, warm welcome here from Gaithersburg. It's good to be together study God's word together. We're in the middle of a series called Real Deal Faith. If you've been in here the last several weeks, Pastor Dale's been doing just an uh, incredible series uh, on Real Deal Faith out of the book of James. It's out of the book of James. And um, uh, if you haven't gotten those teachings, make sure you can download those. But today we continue this series in the book of James. And James um, is writing this letter to a group of believers. And uh, and we're going to study God's Word as we do that. I was just thinking as I was reading God's Word and our topic for today, I was, my mind was just taken to, you know, when I was younger, even, even now, you, you, you tend to look at some people, uh, maybe athletes on TV or uh, people who have this great gifting at something, and, and you go, I could never do that. Anybody ever felt that way? You, you, you watch someone do something and there's so much gifting in them, you go, wow, man, that person is, I could never throw the football like that, or I could never do whatever that gifting is. I, I could never do that. And, and I think sometimes, as I was thinking about what we're talking today, sometimes we can look at um, this specific word, which I'm going to tell you in a moment, moment of suspense, right? What is this word that we're talking about? And we think, I could never do that. There's no way that I could ever do that. And the word that we're, we're going to be talking about today is the word godliness, Godliness. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word godliness. Maybe to you, um, you think about someone that comes to your mind, right? You go, oh, this is the most godly person that I know. Or, man, I could never be godly like that person. And as we're going to see in God's word is that God has called every single one of us, all of us, to live a godly life. Now, you go, what does that mean? That's such an intimidating word sometimes, godly. I, wanna, I want to live a godly life, but how do I do that? How do I live a godly life? And in this, in this book of James that we're gonna about to read, chapter two, you can see it in your notes. James um, basically takes uh, the readers and takes us to a specific area of faith, right? We're talking about real deal faith. I'm gonna read the passage and then we're gonna um, we're going to continue. James chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to what it says. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but listen, has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by what? Action is dead. I want to read that last part again. Listen. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. Here's what James is saying. He says, I love how much faith you have. Your faith is awesome. Keep it up. That's great. But if your faith is not attached 
to something on the outside that is visible, then your faith is dead. In other words, here's what he's saying. I want to see your faith. And faith is obviously starts in your heart, right? God, God opened your heart to faith. But, but in the end, James is saying, I want to be able to see it. I want there to be evidence. And so we're, if we're talking about real deal faith, what is godliness? Godliness then is real deal living, right? Right? If he's saying faith is accompanied by action, then I want to see you live your faith. So then godliness is real deal living. I don't want to just hear or uh, kind of feel that you have faith. I want to be able to see the faith in your life. Now, as you think about godliness, I think there's um, three main ideas or lies or, or, or contradictions that come into, I think, at least in my, in my, in my mind. Uh, maybe you can relate to these. I think there's three things that come, uh, three lies that come to my mind that if I'm not careful can really um, stunt my growth in godliness. I, I think lie number one, uh, maybe you can relate to this one, is that uh, it's not in your notes, but I just want to share them with you. Lie number one is that godliness is not attainable, right? Lie number one, that godliness is not attainable. I could never be godly. It's not attainable. I'm not good enough. Have you seen my past? Have you seen what I have done? This is, friends, this is a lie from the enemy that comes into our life to be able to hold us back from attaining all that God wants us to. Lie number one is that it's not attainable. There's no way that I could ever be godly. Lie number two is that it is not, ready, enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. Well, I don't really want to be godly. I'll save that for later in life because godliness is not enjoyable. I want to tell you something. The most enjoyable life that you can live is a godly life. There's something about living in right standing with God that brings so much fulfillment, not just on the outside, but it brings a fulfillment and an enjoyment on the inside. You know, when you're right with God, there's something on the inside that just makes you fulfilled, that makes you feel like you're in right standing with God. And thankfully, we're not left alone. The grace of God is available to us to help us live a godly life. So line number one is that it's not attainable. Line number two is that it's not enjoyable, right? And then line number three is that it's not beneficial. Well, what good is it to live a godly life? It's no good to live. I mean, there's no benefits to living. I mean, we're all going to end up dying in one day anyway, so let's just enjoy life now. This is a lie, right? Because I think the most beneficial um, way to live, and the Bible speaks to us, is that the most beneficial way to live is a godly life. It's not attainable. It's not enjoyable, right? And that, lastly, it's not beneficial. Now, if you find yourself in one of these categories, I want, I want to encourage you to allow God, God's word to speak into you because I want to tell you something that godliness with the help of God it is attainable. You can be godly. You, you can reach it. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. You can be a godly person. In fact, not only can you be, God has called us to be godly people. Right? He said, go and be the salt and the light. 
right? How do we do that? It's by living a godly life. It's by, it's by showing the transformation that God has done on the inside. It is attainable. It is enjoyable. And it is beneficial. Do you believe that? You know, there's a problem. As I thought about this word godliness, I thought, okay, here's godliness on this end. Uh, what would be on the other end of that? And this, the other word came to my mind was worldliness, right? There's godliness, and then on this side, there's worldliness. And, you know, I love the area that we live in. Aren't, aren't, aren't you, like, I love Maryland and D.C. I love, there's just so many amazing things about our, the culture here and just the, everything about here. Uh, but there's also some things that are worldly, that are pulling against, they're contradicting godliness. Would you, would you agree with that, right? There's, there's godliness, and then there's some worldliness that's going against God's word. And, and here's what worldliness does. It tugs on our desires, right? In fact, if we're really frank about it, it's a, a freight train moving 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction of godliness, right? And God is looking for some, for some people. And God is looking for a church that will rise up and say, if God's word says this, that's how I'm going to live. I don't care what, how I feel about it. I don't care what others think about it. If God has called me to live a godly life, then I'm going to live that life because God's word is pointing me in that direction. I believe God is looking for people who he can use, a church that he can use that will rise up and live according to his standard. Amen? And so if we're saying, okay, it is attainable. If it, if it truly, in your heart, we can get this, that I can. It is attainable. It is enjoyable. And it is beneficial. If, if that, those things are, are in fact true, then how can I live a godly life? Because I want to live a godly life. I, I believe, in fact, everyone is here. And not of all, all of our campuses, everyone is in church because you want to grow closer to God, right? You're not just here just, uh, just for no reason or, or just for any other reason. I believe that you're here because you want to grow in your heart towards God, that you want to grow in your godliness toward, towards God, right? You want to grow in your lifestyle towards God. You want those things. So if we want those things, how, where do we start? And so I just want to share Three, three very simple things that I think will be so helpful for us. As I, I, was, I was studying and reading uh, this passage, just thinking, how, how do we grow in our godliness? How do we grow in our godliness? And I think the first thing that came to my mind is that as I was thinking about this, number one is that we need to recognize that God is the source for our godliness. This is so important. This is so important. God is the source for our godliness. I am not the source for my godliness. Can, can we all say that together very quick? I am not the source of my godliness. God is the source of my godliness. I cannot achieve godliness. It doesn't matter how disciplined I am, it doesn't matter how strong-willed I am. It doesn't matter how bad I want it. I, by myself, cannot perform my way to godliness. God is the source 
for my godliness. I need to stop depending on myself, on my own will, because listen, maybe you can relate to this, that I am no match for sin. (laughs) Right? I'm no match. I need something so much stronger working in my life than my own will. It doesn't matter how strong I think I am. I am no match for sin. I need something so much stronger. I need something supernatural working in me, in me, to bring about godliness. God is the source for my godliness. I am not the source. I want to think about the life of Jesus, right? Think about this. And Jesus, born of a virgin, lived 30 years in complete obscurity. No, no one really knew much about Jesus the whole first 30 years of his life. Comes out of, out of those 30 years, goes right into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, has this divine power, this supernatural strength to be able to resist the enemy for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Comes out of that, goes three and a half years into ministry, performing all kinds of miracles, bringing the dead back to life and healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind. All these things he performs. And then he, and he taken to the cross, dies on the cross, Uh, goes into a tomb for three days, makes sure everyone knows he is dead, from his divine power, raises back up to life. And then he says this, that the power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. Isn't that amazing? Not to some people, not if you have a certain title, not if you've lived a certain way, it's available For you and for me right now, in this moment, if you want it, God will give it to you, but you need to press in. Here's what he's saying. I am the source, and you need to draw close to the source. Listen to this passage in 2 Peter 1.3. He says, by his divine power. Whose divine power? His divine power. Not my power. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. He's given us not almost everything, not most things that we need. He's given us everything that you and I need for living a godly life. You say, I find it so hard to live a godly life. If you knew my workplace, if you knew my friends, if you knew the, the, the crowds that I hang out with, you would know it's impossible to live a godly life. He's saying, no, I've given you absolutely everything that you need to live a godly life. But are you drawing your source From me? Or are you drawing your source from something else? From yourself? From your friends? Great books? Listen, the word of God, through his spirit, he speaks into our life. He strengthens us and he makes this divine power available for you and for me to live a godly life. It doesn't matter which way culture is going. It doesn't matter how how strongly it's coming against you. He has given us, you and me, his divine power to live a godly life. If you're having trouble living a godly life, come closer to the source. He is the source. God is the source for his godliness. I am not the source. You remember and the passage, John 15, 15, it's not in your verse, but he says, I am, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me 
and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit, right? Because it's about, about bearing much fruit, right? I, I want to bear fruit. I, I want to be a follower of Jesus that doesn't just have faith. I want to bear much fruit, not a little bit of fruit. I want to bear much fruit. What's the key to it? He says, I'm the vine. You are the branch. If you remain in me and I remain in you, if you remain, if you stay close to the source, you will bear much, much fruit. There's a little town in um, Mississippi. It's called Rodney, Mississippi. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or done any research, read about it recently. Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney, Mississippi uh, is a little town that sprouted up. It's right, it was right along uh, the Mississippi River. And um, basically, uh, Rodney, Mississippi came to life because it became one of the most high traffic uh, ports uh, for the ships that were coming uh, there between St. Louis and, and New Orleans. And this little area, this little Rodney, Mississippi, became basically a, a, just a vibrant little town. College sprouted, banks sprouting up, all these things. So much life came because why? Because uh, this uh, Rodney, Mississippi was right along the Mississippi River. Things were going great. This was back in the early, early 1800s. Meanwhile, all this life was happening. Meanwhile, way up north, something was happening. There was something happening to the Mississippi River. Debris and trees and rocks was getting in the way of the flow of the river. And guess what happened? The Mississippi River began to shift its course. And over time, over several years, the Mississippi River shifted course about two to three miles away from where Rodney was. And when you think about the fact that where it is now, if you were to look this up, you can Google it, Rodney, Mississippi, Rodney, Mississippi today is a ghost town. Nobody living there anymore. What was the cause of that? Well, as soon as uh, that river began to shift, so did everything else. And, And as I was reading about this, I thought about something, just an analogy that came to my mind, is that life came to the town because it was near the river. It was near the source. And this is so true in our life. Life is found near the source, right? You have life when you're close to the source. The minute the source is moved away or you're moved away from the source, you begin to lose life. And I want this to be an encouragement, such a a challenge. I, I don't want it just to make you feel good or just inspire you. I want it to drive us to action. I want this to, to, life is near the source. I can't expect life if I'm away from the source. Life is in the source. Can I ask you, how close are you to the source? I'm not saying, uh, are you going to church in your heart? How close is your heart to the source of life? God is the source for my godliness. Listen to Galatians 3.3. 3. It says, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit or with the source? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Don't try to do in your own effort what only God has started in you. 
God is the source. Stay close to the source. Number two about godliness. We know it. Okay. God is the source of my godliness. Now what? We need to recognize that godliness is an internal transformation before it's an outward expression. Godliness is an internal transformation before it's an outward expression. Let me read 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. I'm sure we haven't seen any of this, right? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, he just listed all these internal qualities that are totally opposing God, right? All these things, would you agree, these are against godliness. And then listen to what he says. It's fascinating. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So he's saying, you can have the appearance of something without actually having it. You can have the appearance of godliness, but not actually be godly. And where does the power come? When it's authentic. When the change is, you see, when God, when God wants to do a godly work in our life, he doesn't start on the outside, right? He starts on the inside. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's, I, I believe, I know, as, as I read God's word and read his scripture, I, I, I'm convinced that when God looks down on my life, the first thing that he looks at, the most important thing that he looks for and looks at in my life is not anything on the outside. He doesn't look at my situation, my circumstance, where I work, what I do, how anything about my good deeds. The first thing that he looks at is my heart on the inside. He starts his godliness work internally. It's internal before it's anything external. It's on the inside before it's on the outside. I remember when I was, uh, when I was younger and I got, I got a car. Remember your first car, if, you ever, if you've gotten your first car? Remember your first car? And um, I, uh, I remember um, spending so much time uh, cleaning my car. There's something about a clean car, Right? I mean, did anybody else like cleaning their car? Anybody else like cleaning your car? All right. It's, uh, yeah, I don't care how old it is, right? Uh, how like run down it is. I just something, wow, it makes you just feel like getting into it. Like it almost makes you feel like it's a new car, right? Like it's the same car that it was 30 minutes ago, but something feels different. It's just, God, the smell, the cleanliness of it. It just feels clean. So I would spend all this time cleaning my old car and just making, you know, just making it look nice on the outside and, after, after about eight or nine months of me, me doing this, and my parents pulled me aside and said, hey, man, it's awesome that you're cleaning your car. It looks beautiful. You know, we, need to, we need to have a conversation about something. I said, all right, it's cool. Let's talk, right? Being, I'm being a good steward of my car, right? I thought they should probably want to give me a new car or something, right? I mean, talk, sure. So um, sit down and I go, um, so we noticed that you're cleaning the outside of your car. It's, it looks beautiful. It's been nine months, and you haven't changed your oil, right? There's something wrong with this. 
And we love that you're taking care of the outside, but you better change your oil or you will no longer have a car. And there's a very important principle to this. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can, think God, we can treat godliness this way. Making sure everything is good on the outside. Something's completely contra- contradicting that on the inside. You're living, living your life to, to impress others. I don't, you know what? I think our primary concern ought to be to attract the attention of God Almighty. Amen? I, I believe God's saying, it's beautiful that you're doing all these things on the outside, but let me, let's, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about something. There's something on the inside. And what I learned is, you know, God is so gracious when he addresses something in your heart. I love how he doesn't condemn, he corrects, and he points in the right direction. He's so gracious. He's not condemning. But, but there's something about this that I need to be open to God's correction in my life, right? God wants, you want to talk? Okay, let's talk. And when God, you know, God by his spirit, he convicts. Just a little, uh, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be going there, or you shouldn't be doing that, or you shouldn't be thinking that, or you shouldn't be. He convicts. Am I open to God's correction? Th- those are the little checkups that he does. He says, wonderful that it's great on the outside, but there's some things going on on the inside. And I, 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 again, I believe that when God looks down on each and every one of us, he goes, how's this doing? How's your heart? Is it close to the source? Are, are you close in your heart? Not, not just are you close to certain things on the outside. Are you close in your heart? Because that's where I begin. Godliness is an internal transformation. You know what's something amazing about this internal tra- When you're transformed on the inside, there's some there's the fruit that comes from it is that last. It's not temporary. It's not just for a few months or you know a little bit of period of time. When God begins a transformation in your heart, it does not go away. In fact, it just grows stronger and stronger. And I believe that every single one of us, every single all of us, all of our campus, I know this that God has begun a work in your life. God has started a work in your life, and God has started a work. In my life, and God is taking it somewhere. I don't know where. You know, you might not know where, but God has started a work. I love that God is an initiator. And think about He sent His Son Jesus. He didn't wait for us to come to Him. He came to us. Us. He started a work in our life. You're here because God is tugging on your heart. He's pulling on you. He's doing something in your life. He started a work in your life. I love starting projects. Anybody like to do projects at home in your garden or in your house? I love starting projects, projects. In fact, um, my wife's not here today, but I'll share this anyway. Uh, um, I love starting projects at home. I'll, like, I'll start and I'll go, okay, I need to paint this room. Cool. I'm going to go Home Depot, pick up my paint, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back, and I'm going to start this project, start painting it, um, I have one, one little problem, though. Can I be just, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right, I'm going to share this, but all right. I'm not great at finishing <laughs> projects. In fact, there's a, there's a floor uh, 
There's a floor in our house. Uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this right now. All right. Uh, there's a floor in a house that I started. Um, maybe I can't even tell you. I'm not going to tell you how long ago because it was a long time. This is very embarrassing. Uh, I started it like a long time ago, and uh, I still haven't finished it. I still, it's like missing all the borders around, like, because that was like the hard part, you know? So I was like, it looks good. Can we just put like a trend, uh, something else around the edge so we can't see the corners? But I haven't finished this project. I just have a problem finishing projects. Anybody else? Can anybody else? Please make me feel better. Anybody else? Like, okay. Wives, it's okay. You can, this is a great moment to be able to say I have a husband like that. Make me feel better. All right, I'm not alone. I'm not great at finishing projects. But, uh, but I'm thankful that God's not like that. God always finishes what he starts. Every time. God will never start a work in your life and in my life that he does not finish. We might not see the outcome. We not, might not see what it's going to be, what it's going to become. In fact, it might look terrible right now. You know, projects, when they're in the midst, they look pretty terrible, right? Like, well, this is a mess. Is this ever going to look better? Yeah. Sometimes we look at our a situation or our life and go, is this ever let me tell you something. When God starts something, he always, 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 everyone say always, always. God always finishes what he starts. What work is he doing in your life? Whatever he started, you can be confident. You can be completely 100% confident that whatever he started, he will finish it. He will finish it. Listen to this verse. I love this. Philippians 1.6 being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, not on you, in you, in your heart, that be confident of this, friends, that he who started the work in you, that he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will finish what he starts. And what he starts, he starts on the inside. If you're focused on the outside primarily, maybe you ought to start focusing on the inside because that's where God starts. He starts on the inside. Listen to Matthew. I think there's a little um, typo on your notes. It's Matthew 23, Matthew 23, not 12. Matthew 23, 25 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup or the dish or your life or your car or whatever it is. You clean the outside, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgent, blind Pharisees. First, first, he starts first, clean the inside of the cup and the dish. And then the outside also will be clean. Now he's not saying neglect the outside, right? He's saying first, first. That's where I start. I start on your life, in your life, on the inside, not on the outside. We might start on the outside. God starts on the inside. God thinks inside out, even though we might think outside in. God starts inside out. And you might not see the finished product, but what he started, he will always, always, always complete. Let me ask you this. How are you doing on the inside? Are there, have you picked up some godliness that's attached itself to your life? Have you picked something up that God's trying to trim off your life so that you can pursue fruitfulness 
and godliness in your life? Have you picked up some things from culture as you're trying to go against it? He's given you everything you need. He is the source of your godliness. And he starts on the inside. Have you picked up some things that God is trying to trim away? Remember the fig tree? Looked beautiful, leafy green on the outside. But, on, but on, as he got closer on the inside, it was no life. How are you doing on the inside? Are you close to the source? Are you clean on the inside? And lastly, what do we do? Where do we go from here? We position ourselves for action. This is where faith gets tied into action. Position yourself for action. I'll read again James 2.17. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And I know that God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. Come on, church, right? Do you believe that? That God is looking. He's looking down at us as his, at his church, and he's looking for people. He's looking for a church. He's looking for churches through whom he can do the impossible. I can't do the impossible, but I know that God, through me, he can do the impossible. He's looking down. So how do I allow God to work? Well, I got a position Myself for action. First Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself. Okay, now he's getting to the outside, right? Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. You train your body on the outside, you go to the gym, awesome, great. Some, some value, keep doing it, it's good for you. But godliness has value for all things. For all things, holding promise for both the present life, for this life, listen to this, and the life to come. So he's saying, uh, sometimes you go, well, godliness, that's going to be good when I get to heaven. Mm -mm. He's saying, godliness, it's good now and then. It's good in this moment. And why? Because godliness protects your life, right? You're in the circle of that blessing that God has for our life. Godliness is good. Yes, it's good for later. But don't be misled that godliness is good for now, too. It's good for our life now. So train yourself to be godly. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. All athletes, they're disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with patience and pur or purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, athlete training it to do what it should. I want to share with you just three actions for godly living as we kind of just summarize everything that we just talked about. I want to summarize everything we just talked about. How do we position ourselves for action? And I just kind of put this in a way where hopefully we can remember it in three little phrases. Number one, upward, upward devotion. How's your devotion doing? Now, I'm not talking about your devotional time. That's included in devotion. But how's your devotion to God? How is your commitment to God? Is God first in your life? Are you willing to say no to other things because he is priority? He's number one. He, you are fully, completely devoted in your life to him. Can I just in this moment say that our past sin does not disqualify us from living a godly life. Don't believe that lie. That wherever you have been in your life or whatever we have done or wherever, whatever sin might be in our past, this does not disqualify us 
from living a godly life in this moment. In fact, today, this could be the moment where you go, I'm turning to a godly life. I've been walking the fence. I've been walking more worldly. Today, I'm making the decision to live a godly life. You go, I don't have the power. Exactly. Didn't we remember that? We said, God is the source. You are not disqualified. I am not disqualified by where I've been. The grace of God covers all of that. Upward devotion. Upward devotion. Number two is inward application. Inward application. So I'm focusing my attention on God. He's priority. I'm fully committed to him. Inward application. Am I exercising God's principles personally? Am I exercising, am I taking what I'm learning from my time with God and am I applying it? Am I action, applying God's truth and his principles to my life? Uh, There might be areas that God's saying, hey, you know this area and I'm pointing you in a different direction. Are you applying God's principles to your life? And number three, an outward expression. People need to be able to see our godliness. Yes? Yes? How are, how are we going to bring people to Jesus if it's not by our example? Right? How are we going to bring people to Jesus if they can't see Jesus in us? When, when I know this. I know that we all want this, that when, when people look at your life, they see Jesus. Yes? Right? They see your grace. They see your, your forgiveness. They see fruit coming from your life. An outward expression. Are you expressing what God's doing on the inside and allowing it to come out and have an impact on those around you? I'll wrap up with Romans chapter 12. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be shaped He says, by this world, you have to make the decision that I will not be shaped by the world outside of me, but by the word inside of me. Yes, I'm not going to be shaped by the world. I'm going to be shaped by the word. I'm going to be close to God. My inward devotion, my my, my personal devotion to God is fully number one. I know that God has started a work in each and every one of us. We might not know where it's taking us, but he has started a work. You believe that. You draw close to the source and you position yourself for action. And I believe that God can do and wants to do the impossible through every single one of us. Not, all, not some of us, all of us. In your world, where you are, the friends that you have, the school that you're in, the workplace that you have, God wants you to shape that world with the word inside of you. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you, God, that godliness, Lord God, is... Uh, it is attainable, Lord God. It is enjoyable, God. It is beneficial. We believe that. God, we want to be more godly. We want to be growing in our godliness. Help us, God. Give us the strength to do that. God, if, if some of us here have moved away from the source, God, bring us back, God. We want to come back to the source. You are the source. Help us to come back to the source. Give us the strength that we need to live godly lives. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.